0: When I think of American culture, I am reminded so heavily of the generational differences in the population. This is a thing all over the world, but it's something that we've seen grow in the 20th century. The concept that each generation has trends and a united voice and that generations over time have different voices with different overall beliefs. This is something that's relatively new. We kind of take it for granted now as it's, it's, it's all around us, and it dates back all the way to maybe the, the 50s. But at the same time, it wasn't always a thing. For most of American history and world history, the general population couldn't really communicate. And so there wasn't really as good of a sense of communalism between different generations and in, in, within the generations themselves. But as we kind of became more tech-based as we became more global. In the 20th century, there seemed to be more social movements that united people, at least in the United States of America. And as a result, we started seeing people identify with different groups and, and not identify with other groups. And so we started seeing the concept of generations come into play. This season on the Nightcap podcast, I have wanted to talk about the past, the present, the future, what we've done, what we're doing, and where we're headed. I want to Focus on the changing of the seasons and focus on the beginning of the decade as kind of a a concept all in itself. And so I, I felt it would be remiss to not discuss one of the most influential groups of people in this country. Their voice does make up a higher percentage than almost any other group, with one exception being potentially the millennials as time goes on. Um, And I felt it's important to actually discuss this group that's been so influential for the last 20 years, what they've actually done, good, bad, and otherwise, as a group. Moments of change they've been involved in, how their their generation actually works. And then going forward, as we find the baby boomer generation moving into the background more and being less in charge, in control, how that's going to change things. And so today's episode is going to focus on the history of the baby boomers, or boomers as they're so lovingly called nowadays, it's going to focus on what to expect in the future and where we're headed. I'm Josh Sherburn, and as always, this is the Nightcap Podcast. Boomers, you may have heard of them, they're an older population, not quite the oldest population in the country still. we still got the silent generation, but silent generation's way up there in age at this point. Um, and so when you think of old people, quote-unquote, when you think of people in their 60s and in their 70s, you're thinking of the baby boomer generation. They were born roughly, roughly, 1946 to 1964, um, some people have discrepancies here. There's a lot of conversation about when you no know, these actually start, the inter-years. The general way to categorize baby boomers is people that were born directly after World War II and, and people born by the generation that was involved in World War II. That is the best way to identify the baby boomers. 1946 to 64 is generally what you'd say, but the people whose parents served in World War II is generally... Going to be called the Baby Boomers. The reason for this is because there was a baby boom after World War II. After World War II, you know, you had a bunch of soldiers all over the planet coming home from war, being with their families again. As a result, they'd put on a careless whisper, light some candles, and make sweet love into the ends of the night. And as a result, we had a large baby boom all over the world. And that's something I learned when I was researching this podcast. I knew about the baby boom. In America, And thinking about it, of course it would happen everywhere because countries all over the world were involved in World War II. But I had only ever really heard of baby boomers in regards to America. So it was actually really interesting to learn about some of the baby boom impacts in countries like in Europe, as well as countries in Asia. Um, And it was kind of a big time period for everybody. And I think that's one of the biggest things I want to talk about as I get into the background here of... The baby of the baby boom and the baby boomers and their impact. Uh, people have often talked about, you know, how their generation is like a shockwave of culture. A lot of people talk to this is weird. I had never heard this in my life, but it's everywhere. A lot of maybe these descriptors were more common in the 20th century, but the idea of the pig and the python pretty much the python being of the American populace, and, you know, if uh, a python ate an entire pig, the large shape it would make inside of the snake is similar to the large booms impact on the population which is so weird didn't like it but it is that is technically um what that is technically a phrase that is used to describe baby boomers which is very strange to me um but they're generally the parents of gen x millennials uh up to about gen z is where you start to get mostly gen xers being the parents of gen z but yeah so the baby boom was a concept everywhere and i was interesting To learn, pretty much what was happening was after the war, there was two or three things happening at once. Um, There was the factor of sheer population. There was a population boom everywhere because people came home from the war. They were having kids. They were making families. And it has actually been shown, at least in America, that the silent generation was having more children than ever before. They were marrying younger than their parents had married, and they were marrying and having more kids than their parents ever had. And so the silent generation, I don't know if it was as a result of like the existentialism of war or the, you know, um, before the war, they were dealing with the Great Depression. So a a return to traditional values, maybe familial life might have been a factor as well, if you think about it. But generally, the silent generation kind of settled down early, had a lot of kids. And what happened then was there was this large boom at the same time as these kids were being born, the whole world was rebuilding giant amount of stimulus was going into all these different countries that were getting, you know, roads built. They were getting, you know, housing subsidies from the government. They were getting money. You were having, a in places like America, we were doing really well after the war. And so we benefited so much from the buildup of our economy that the war stimulated. And so you have those two factors working in tandem. You have this large population of people that was also being raised in an amazing time for our country. There was more, Um, wealth, prosperity, ability than ever before in the country's history. And this is a huge concept that we're going to talk about more that really separates the baby boomers from Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z. It's, It's one of these things that has truly created this divide and this gap in the way they view the world versus the way everyone else after them has viewed the world. It's more present in Millennials and Gen Z as there are Gen Xers that were Similarly, coming around in a decent time period for this, but there is a huge difference between the world stage for the last 20, 25 years and the world stage for you know 50 years ago. There's been a lot of changes, and so people born at these different times have way different opinions and world views how oh, things work. So you had this generation coming to age in a world where America was first, America was on top. there was very very much economic stability. We were at about two percent unemployment, which is as low as you can really get in terms of economics. We had that for years and years and years. There was, uh, I think, around a two percent growth as well in um, in paychecks every year. You'd get two percent more, roughly, every year. Um, So there was an an increase in wages steadily. There was an increase in, you know, jobs steadily. We were had a few. And the baby boomers, as they grew up, there was only really a few minor blips in the economy. Like there was, you know, in the eighties, there was a, a slight economic blip, but nothing compared to what we've seen recently. And so you had this like stable country, these nationalistic values for most of the people. And we're going to get into countercultures in a minute. But there was these nationalistic values. There was this economic stability. And there was this large group of people, like the largest group of people that you've ever seen in America at one time. And so this creates like this hyper-concentrated, very loud voice that can make a lot of change. And that's exactly what they did. And so next I want to kind of get into really quickly – I guess first I'm going to finish up some of the interesting uh, comments here. So first off, just a note. In 1964, 1964, by the way, is when the baby boomer generation ended. So that means that the oldest baby boomers were 20, roughly, and the youngest baby boomers were being born. In 1964, boomers represented 40% of the workforce. So that means that people aged like 0 to 20... Represented almost half of the population, which is insane, and thirty five percent of the civilian labor force that means that of that forty percent very top heavy so in nineteen sixty four there was a large group of people who were too young to work uh, if there was a if there was a 20 year period where boomers were being born half of over half of that generation was too young to work but thirty five percent of them were they, they made up 35% of the labor force, which means the first five or six years of the baby boomer generation is very top heavy. There are more kids born in those first four or five years than the rest of the than all the rest of them combined, where, you know, there's a f- 35% of the workforce is huge. That's a huge number for 20 year olds. right? That's people roughly age 16 to 20. So it's kind of a, that was a really interesting statistic. And one of the best statistics that I actually saw in my research, it really put that into perspective for me. And what it also put into perspective is that concept that in 20 years when the boomers are all gone and they died off, right? In 20, 30 years when most baby boomers are dead, I guess we're going to lose a lot of our population. Like a huge percentage of our population is going to be gone. We're going to be obviously making kids. And since then we've made more kids every year. So we're not going to be like fucked. But at the same time, that is a huge percentage of our population and so it's just an interesting kind of idea the fact that they've been a large percentage of our population for so long is huge to me as well like they're still the largest cohort and they're old and they're still bigger than almost there it's us, it's millennials and baby boomers equally make up the population and baby boomers some of them are dying right like you're getting to the point where the oldest ones are starting to die and so they're on the the they're on the fall off And yet they're still the biggest group. So that's just an interesting kind of couple things to put into perspective. I also want to very quickly talk about the fact that there is like this mini generation that's been hotly debated. um, That pretty much a group of baby boomers is saying like we're not the same. And this is interesting. I view my parents as this because my parents are both born at the end of the baby boom generation. And both of them do not like to like they don't like to pretend that they're part of the baby boomers because they feel so dissociated. Again, this is a huge demographic of people, takes place over the course of 20 years, and they're so top-heavy that the people at the end of the baby boomer generation, like, a lot of them feel like they were raised in a different situation. They were raised at a different time. And so Generation Jones is a, a, an idea. And this is a, a, it's a social cohort, and a cohort's a demographic group. So it's this social group that pretty much says that the last 5, 10 years of the baby boomer generation is not the same thing. It's not the same. Pretty much the idea is that a lot of... There's kind of two concepts. First off, their parents weren't World War II veterans. A lot of people at the end of Generation Jones did not have parents that were in World War II. A lot of them had parents that were in Korea, but not a lot had parents in World War II. So they felt that they were raised by a different group of people that had different opinions and different worldviews than the older boomers. At the same time as well, they would argue that they kind of came to age during the oil crisis. There was a lot of stagnation in the economy, the Carter presidency, and, and it wasn't the same thing as the 60s, right? They didn't come of age during the 60s, which was all social revolution. They came to age during the 70s, which was a different time. Now, they're not quite Gen X. That's why there's that separation. They don't think they should be part of Gen X, but they think there should be a kind of a footnote of we were raised in a different place. We didn't have the same situation there was the less you know political cause the le- less you know military service and things of that nature that kind of made the boomers who they are at the same time they also grew up with television sets right so like in 55 and le- 55 to 65 those kids grew up with television lived in a world of tv where the people before them the early boomers didn't grow up in a world of television and so some of those kind of concepts also might cause a little social change and before I get into actually what the baby boomers have done in the last, you know, in their lifetime, in the last 50 years or so, I want to talk quickly about the largest defining aspect of the baby boomers. And not everyone agrees on this. A lot of people in the silent generation say that they were the real the real purveyors of change. Um, but if you look at culturally, a large percentage of the baby boomers came to be, came of age in the 60s. And the 60s is very famously known for being a time of great social change. And I have a personal opinion on this. What I think kind of happened is you had this group of people, right, the silent generation that went off, went to war, saw a war the which of likes no one has ever seen. And after the war, the world had changed dramatically, right? After the war, it was like Germany's no longer free. We got, we got Soviet Russia. We're in a Cold War now. A lot of crazy stuff started happening just with assassinations and, you know, oh, we're going to get in a war here. We're going to get in a war there. There were a few wars. And so we started seeing this group, the silent generation, had a very specific mindset. They had a very specific worldview that was given to them by a very specific couple of experiences. So when you get a group that is that set in their ways, their opinions, the concepts that make sense to them, when you get that group, you then have usually a counter group. For every hardline group, there's usually a group saying, fuck that. And so when an entire group of people has this set opinions based on their experiences, and they have a shit ton of kids, those kids most likely are going to grow up with differing opinions from their parents. And so if their parents are really hardline, especially during a time where like television and music is changing and all these things are changing, there's so many outlets for change, you're going to see that child generation become very radicalized very quickly. They're going to say, we don't fuck with this, and we have these new outlets that you guys could never dream of. It's a different world than you guys grew up in. we got to take that to our advantage. And so you saw this huge counterculture come up. Now, most people weren't involved in the counterculture. A lot of people had, like, differing opinions that, like, aided towards some of those cultural changes, maybe, like, things towards race or sexuality or the way, you know, women should exist. That kind of stuff even if you're not actively participating, if you're on the right side of history on it, it's just going to be a matter of time. And so a lot of people were involved there. But the concept of the hippie movement and all the counterculture revolutions and protesting the Vietnam War, a lot of that stuff, a lot of people agreed with. Some people actually joined in on, and, and even less people became radicalized and really pushed for it. But you still had this large social movement that really trademarked the boomers' before they were even 25, 30, (laughs) like at a young age, they were given exactly a reason to live, a purpose. They were given like, uh, kind of a a name for themselves. They, they kind of rose up and said like, this is what we want. And even though much to the chagrin of maybe the older population, very much, they were kind of seen as a force to be reckoned with. And they definitely showed their rights. And if you look at, the baby boomer generation, they are so heavily tied to the, the, lay, the latter half of the civil rights movement, they're very heavily tied to the second wave of feminism, more than almost anything else, as well as things like educational reform uh, and, a, and a bunch of other topics of that nature. And so now I'm going to talk for a minute about what actually happened with the boomers. Before I do, I'm going to just kind of ask this question, right? Over the course of their childhood, we saw an, an, an increased standard of living we saw a lot of things get better. We saw prices go down. We saw wages go up. We saw people living stably, living happily. And this big concept, I think, that has obviously since been debunked (laughs) is that for a lot of baby boomers, they expected that to be what life was going to be like from now on. And so as a result, things like environment, things like there was a lot of issues like environmental change, political change, the national debt that wasn't really talked about or considered. Because the concept was right now things are going really well. And so as long as they continue to go well, it's going to be fine, which is true. But <laughs> what they were about to learn is that not everything continues to go well. And we've been in many cycles of economic boom and bust. We've been in social areas of, of, of uh, you know, feast and famine, you could say. There's been a lot of different changes. And I think that's something that they didn't really expect back when they were 2025. 20, you just see the world getting better and go, hey, it's getting better. Why would it ever stop? And so it was kind of a big concept. But what did the baby boomer generation actually do? What aspects of life could you say they had a big impact on? The first thing I want to talk about is education. This is kind of a weird one. This is like the weakest of them, considering a lot of educational reform (coughs) was pushed by the silent generation. But pretty much what happened is in the 70s, there was this large dominant trend that schools don't make a difference, which is kind of weird. But a lot of surveys and studies kind of talked about the fact there was a lot of ambitious reform happening in the 60s because of the money and the social change. But a lot of the 70s said, hey, 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 all the stuff we did in the 60s for education reform didn't actually do anything. And so as a result, you saw a lot of backlash. Money got defunded from a lot of schools. You saw things like foreign language become second priority. You saw a lot of the electives, quote-unquote, become second priority. But then what you saw in the 70s, was that a lot of these things bit everyone in the ass. We watched aptitude go down everywhere. We watched graduation and testing rates decline. We watched the college board discovered that the scores on their aptitude test for scholastic endeavors had fallen steadily in the last decade, like consistently every year got worse and worse and worse. 1979, it was officially declared that the foreign language department in the country was in a state of crisis because no one was enrolling. Um, As well, the same commission said the next year that science and math was also in dire condition because declining enrollments and low achievement in their enrollments. So you watched, you know, at this point, the boomers are young. They're not at the, like, forefront. They're not making a lot of the decisions yet. They're young. They're the equivalent of, like, young millennials now. But you saw these things kind of set up, you know, school was difficult. And so what, like, school was kind of difficult. You weren't being taught well. There was a lot of change in, like, progressivism versus um, traditionalism or regressivism, you could even say, in this situation, in terms of the school system. But college was this weird thing that was more important than ever for the baby boomer generation. College was this concept that almost a safe place, and it's kind of funny considering what a lot of boomers feel about the idea of a safe place. But baby boomers entered college in the early 60s, and it was... Uh, unusually kind of good place. This is when college admissions were at their strongest. This is when you saw, you know, like trades were starting to get replaced and a lot of students were going to college. It was still cheap to go to college. And so you saw a lot of frat life. You saw a lot of, you know, you saw a lot of the fraternities, the brotherhoods. Women started getting allowed to go to college and started becoming more popular ventures. So as 60s, 70s, even into the 80s with the late boomers getting into college, you saw this kind of place to test your social medal more than ever before, this, this new factor of getting a higher education with a group of people. And they really mobilized that because by the end of the 60s into the early 70s, educa- it had changed so much. The college climate had changed so much. There was so much protesting, right, to the point where there's a lot of places where famously you had National Guard coming in. There was even situations in certain places where there were National Guard shooting at people. There were deaths, there were riots, there was protests all of the time, all over the country for things like against the Vietnam War, um, which a lot of young people didn't believe in. They were being drafted to a war that they didn't want to fight. And so there was a lot of these situations kind of happening at once that really changed education. Even today, college campuses are a place where there's a lot of protests, a lot of social change. And I think that that really was cemented by the baby boomer generation. Baby boomer women were less likely than ever in history, in American history, to go into teaching. At the same time, you know, I talked for a second about how baby boomers kind of grew up in a time where school wasn't considered important for a minute. And so when they became parents into the 80s and when they started becoming parents in the 80s um, through the 80s into the 90s, you saw a large upswing in parental um, guidance and education, parental involvement whether it was sitting on parent boards for the public schools, being involved in your child's like homework and things. You saw the baby boomer generation do more than previous had in school because they believed in school, because they grew up in school, they saw the benefits of a good and bad school, and they went to college, and it actually helped them. I think this is a big concept of the baby boomers you have to consider is that concept that school is important, good school gets you a good job, gets you a stable life where you have money. And a lot of this, in my opinion, I've always said, that I feel like the silent generation grew up very poor generally. They grew up either they grew up before a lot of economic stimulus, but they also grew up in part in the Great Depression. And so the silent generation grew up with nothing. They had to fight their war. And then and in doing that, the economy went boom. Everyone was starting to get better at things. There was more availability than ever before. And so you see the silent generation telling their kids, hey, go to college. You can. Like we can afford to put you to college. You can get a better job, make a better life than we had. Do it. And so you saw a lot of baby boomers go to college and have good jobs. And we're going to get into that in a second with the economy, but the baby boomers had better jobs than ever. And they are still competitive more so than even their children generations in terms of being economically feasible. And so the baby boomer generation then went to college, got those jobs and pushed that on their kids. And you see Gen X not like it. You see Gen X, you know, the idea of, of, live to work with the baby boomers concept, this huge concept that they, they brought with them, live to work, live to work, like jobs are most important, working is most important. You see Gen X start saying, we're going to work to live, where we're going to have a job that's going to support us enough, but not be our entire lives, because we saw what our parents have done, and we don't like that. And so you see these kind of like, it goes back and forth with a generation that is hardworking, and then generation that goes, ah, I don't know if I want to waste my whole life doing this. And then generation that, you know, it kind of goes back and forth. So I think it's an interesting concept just to keep in mind. When we get into economy, I think this is the biggest thing I want to talk about in terms of the baby boomers um, because there's kind of like the social, political stuff and the economy are the big things that you can talk about the baby boomers in terms of. Economically, they are labor powerhouses. Like, this is a fact. The baby boomer generation made more money than ever before, they have more positions of power than ever before, and they've maintained those positions of power into their 70s. You see so many CEOs, so many people that are at the top of the food chain right now in their 70s and have been for the last 20 or 30 years. This is their concept, the concept of a good work ethic, solid base, staying with a company for a long period of time. Making money is important. Having nice things is important. This is a huge baby boomer sentiment. This is something that like millennials see less of because you watch as your parents do this, you see the pros and cons. You also see that, you know, they work so hard. They also have a high rate of divorce, probably due to the fact that they're the first generation where you had two people working. And so before it was like one person works, one person's home, family is the life. There's like roles you watched as the baby boomers tended to break that apart more than ever. You watch, now there's two people working, everyone's got jobs, more coordination, harder to deal with the kids, maybe more stress. Money's more of a concern because there's more money because you have two people working and then you start seeing divorces happen. But the younger Gen Xers, the millennials saw their parents doing this and said, fuck that. And so now you're seeing this big counter trend of like, work's not that important. I'd rather be kind of poor and happy than overworked and rich. And this is a big back and forth. I'm not really sure. But, economically, the baby boomers have kind of a mixture of this good work ethic, most likely due to a good outlook on life, due to the fact that they grew up in a great time period. But also, they were born and had a great time period. It was a lot of luck. They had high-growth, economically stable childhoods. And then, they rode that prosperity as they got older, and you watch that those stable childhoods turned into steady jobs when you're a young person, turned into a good work ethic that then leads you to college. That college degree leads you into a good position in the field. And if you work for a good 10, 20 years, you're in a good place. And then what happens in the 90s? Dot-com boom. When you get the dot-com boom, then it's that concept of you can ride that wave even more. You guys are making good money and you're 35, 40 now, but you can be even more rich. So you get online with the whole internet boom. You're young enough to still deal with that less than like the silent generation that wasn't. They ride that out even further, and now you have so many rich people. You have a lot of rich people per capita in the baby boomer generation, even more so than, this, than the silent generation. And so you see these wide-ranging effects. You're, you're seeing baby boomers retire now. You have for the last 10 years. In like 2007, 2008 is when the first baby boomers started to really considering retiring and actually retiring. And you've seen it now, and you're going to continue to see it every year for the next decade or so. You're going to see most of baby boomers retire, go out of the workforce, and even in some cases die. There's going to be a lot of wide-ranging effects of this. You have, A, the concept that they're not in the labor force anymore, so you have to have people in the low end make up for that. Combine that with the fact that people in the low end aren't, you know, we're like the millennials aren't necessarily known for their equal work ethic to the baby boomer generation, and as a result, we're going to see a big disparity in employment, I think. You're also going to see that retirees spend less because they're on a fixed income. They have a certain amount of money for the rest of the years of their life and so you see that they they spend less money, so they contribute less economically. They also produce less because they're not working. And so as a result, that's not good for economic growth. When you see a huge percentage of our population, I think it's like 20, 25 percent. When you see them all die off, really, that money is going to not get spent anymore. It's going to not be pushed around. And that's not the most important topic. But at the same time, we're going to see economic, we're going to see this economically change the situation. We already are starting to see it, but we're going to continue to see the effects of the baby boomer is not producing, not spending, and just kind of existing. On to the next like important topic to talk about. Um we already talked a bit about the social movement, so I'll talk just for a moment, right? You you see that the baby boomers were on the forefront of social change when they were young, right? They were around for the civil rights movement towards the end. The protest against the Vietnam War is probably the signature thing baby boomers did. In droves was protest all over the country. Pro- protest the DNC, protest a lot of these places to say, hey, let's stop. Let's stop fighting this war. All around for the second wave of feminism. Um, a lot of times, a lot of people will argue that they weren't, they weren't at the forefront because they were young, but their sheer numbers might have actually pushed some of these movements over the edge because you just had, if you had 30, 40-year-olds in the silent generation pioneering things like some of these changes, and you had the young baby boomers come in, in the millions and say, we agree with this, that sheer force of numbers is a huge proponent. So even if you don't think that the baby boomers actually started some of these changes, they're definitely important in the changes themselves. As an age cohort exerted a shit ton of influence on American culture as a result of that, whether it was for social movements or even just social trends, the stuff that the baby boomers liked at that time became incredibly popular. But that pales in comparison to the, what I want to kind of talk about here for the next 10 minutes kind of the last big point, is politics. Baby boomers have had a huge impact on politics in their lifetime, mostly due to the fact that they're, A, a huge group of people. B, they've been in power for the last 30 years, refusing to really give it up either. They like maintaining that power. And C, the fact that they have different social opinions than a lot of people on the younger ends of the generational spectrum. Some people have called it a death grip on politics. I don't want to use words like that, but... At the same time, there's not a lot of Gen Xers making decisions in politics right now. There's some, and they're coming into power now more. But most of the power in government is baby boomers, the people at the top of that spectrum. And so that's kind of a concept that I think is important to think about, (laughs) that they kind of have this really intense involvement in politics. There's a lot of talk that baby boomers have done a lot of bad in politics, a lot of bad for our country. The big two or three that you hear is the environment, debt, and, um, I guess you could say socioeconomic dissociation is, I guess, the word you use to describe it. People argue that they spent a lot of their time cutting their own taxes, making sure that their, their programs were protected. Uh, Think about this in terms of like social security and welfare and things like that weren't supposed to be in place forever. They were supposed to be in place for a decade or two after World War II and they've kind of been kept around. So a lot of these programs that were they were toted as things that were going to be around for a little while, they kept them in. They wanted to make sure they gain they kept that money at the end of their. Nowadays they can they can utilize some of those retirement funds. A lot of people will argue that they spent their time protecting themselves, as opposed to protecting things like the environment, or investing in American infrastructure, or addressing student loan crisis, debt crisis, things of that nature. And that's true. I mean if you look at the if you look at it it's true. In the 60s you started seeing the d- the debt start to balloon a little bit. It was still manageable at that point, but presidents then, they weren't baby boomers, but presidents then started to ignore it. In the 80s and the 90s it continued to be ignored. This is when baby boomers came into power. And you started seeing them just kind of, you know, Put off the things that were maybe for, that for going to help future generations. Not talk about those things. Who cares about the environment? It's really good for our economy right now. And you still see this. You see this with a lot of older people. I still see this. This is a big difference between people that are like millennial Gen Z and people that are like old Gen Xer into baby boomers. Is that difference of like economy first or not? Some people think that the economy is the most important thing. And like if we have a weak economy, we can't help the social issues. So economy is first. And to a point I agree. At the same time, though, there's always more strengthening of our economy we can do. Especially right now, our economy is not super strong. And even though we're doing very well for ourselves, it's not super strong. And so there's always going to be that, let's put off the social stuff, let's put off the environment so we can keep the economy strong. But you're going to have to eventually take a pass at the economy, take a pass at the environment, take a pass at some of these social issues. And so either we can wait and put it off or we can do it now. Either way, it's not going to be good for the economy. It's not good for the economy to prioritize the environment, but we have to prioritize environment. And there's a lot of people that are out there trying to learn that right now. My sister is one of those people who is graduating school right now. Pretty much her whole degree is talking about how to safely, in, in an environmentally friendly way, protect our economy. And I think that's huge. I think that's the single most employable thing you can do is figure out how to do both because so many people are so angry about both. But I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent because we're running out of time here. But let's just say the reason that the boomers kind of let these things pass them by was like I said earlier, they grew up at a time where things were good. People assumed it would stay that way. Why wouldn't it? And so it's not really their fault. We had full employment. We had productivity. We had ingenuity. We were creating things like the best cars. We were creating things like the internet. We were creating so much things that we're just going to continue that why wouldn't that ever stop? At the same time, they got older at about the same time that we adopted economic models that were kind of counterproductive, that we didn't actually, that aren't going to produce rising wages and incomes for people at a good clip. This is an issue, right? You have this group of people getting in power at a time where we're doing really well for ourselves. At that same time, we start outsourcing all of our companies. We start making less money for ourselves. We start producing less. The price of goods starts going up. We've been at a point now where wages haven't risen in any way to match the price of things. And as a result, we're seeing the buying power of the dollar go down. We're seeing more people living paycheck to paycheck. We're seeing people not able to afford things. We're also seeing lifestyles that make it hard to afford things, things like cell phone plans and all that kind of shit. And so as a result, you have these people that grew up in a good time that kind of got to like get above the curve before it hit And so as a result, they've kind of experienced wealth their whole lives, experienced prosperity their whole lives. And so now they look back at younger generations and say, why aren't you doing the same thing? I did it myself. I pulled up my bootstraps. Why can't you? Even though the world has changed and we're in a different place. And so you kind of see this generational ideology that has been cemented and like sticks itself and they can't really see anything differently. Now, we're in the same place, right? They have more experience. Younger people are just needing to do the world differently. And so these younger people are saying, well, we just don't want to do it that way. And that's where you're starting to see these generational changes of what's the right way to do things. So politically, I've always found it interesting, right? I've never lived in a world without a baby boomer president ever. The first baby boomer president was Bill Clinton. He raised taxes in the 90s, created the government surplus, even though Ross Perot was saying that he wouldn't, (laughs) we were going to fail, Bill Clinton did a great job with our economy and Obviously, he suffered a little bit personally and as a result had to kind of like become a lame duck for a minute. But that was like the first boomer president. At the same time, the 90s was a very contentious time. A lot of people blame Clinton for expanding penal state, which is, you know, the prisons, cutting capital gains, taxes for the rich, personal feuds with like Newt Gingrich and other people like that led to government shutdowns, led to the scorched earth policies that we now see in Washington all the time. The nineties was when this kind of started. You can argue it started with Clinton. You can argue it started with the Republican, you know, the Republicans taking the house using money. And then kind of after that, everyone's kind of used money to get their way. That's a huge thing I want to talk about in a later episode, but just those concepts that the baby boomers put into place, they made money important. The baby boomers had more money than ever and they made money important. And then, and it's not going to go away. We've had the same thing with Obama, who ah, seems like he's not a boomer. Technically, he is a boomer. Um, Trump, obviously, um, grew up with that same mentality. And, And Trump is a good example of someone who did a lot of boomer things as president. He increased so much spending on the military, increased spending on stuff like the border wall, Pentagon, Um, $2 trillion tax cut, which is interesting, but most of the tax cuts benefits are going to go for corporations and rich people. Um, rich people and corporations have had a huge tax cut. i believe one time from 28 to 21%. If I'm, that's not on here. But if I remember that in my notes, it's not there. But if I remember correctly, he cut down like almost 10% of the corporate tax rate, rich people got a lot of options to save money. More, poor people are going to come out at best even. At worst, they're actually going to lose some money and they found that if you're making, I think, less than like $500,000, or if you're making less than $100,000 a year, you're boned. If you're making less than $30,000 a year, you're double boned over time with this tax um, cut that was passed. Most of the money that was saved in that tax cut has gone back into the stock market, which has made the share- shareholders more rich. And that's the thing the boomers are great at. They're good at making money. They're really good at being efficient they're good at you know a lot of these like especially like Trump right got out of the paris agreement a lot of baby boomers don't agree with sacrificing our economy for the environment or for whatever they, they, they it's a very money focused group of people and so we see that these people in congress the people in presidents it's become this money game and it's also become and this is kind of the legacy of the baby boomers they're the last real generation that has like a way America should be opinion Everyone has opinions on how we should act, how we should interact with each other, but I have found that younger people tend to have a much more individualistic view. There's like the, you have to be on this correct side of social issues mentality nowadays, where if you don't believe in this or you don't believe in that, you're a bad person that I don't like. But we tend to kind of say, like, do what you want. That's a huge thing. It's like, do what makes you happy. Live the way you want to live. Be the person you want to be. I don't really give a shit what sexual orientation is. I don't care how you spend your money. I don't care how you spend your time. You do your thing. There's not like a moral justness or correctness in this country anymore. I think this is due to the fact that we grew up with the internet. We grew up with television showing different types of groups of people. But baby boomers were growing up in a world where they were just living with their own lives. At best, you had TV that was showing you more of your own life. And so you see a lot of baby boomers thinking that, old school, traditional mentality of there's an American way and there's a way that we have to be as people. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. (laughs) That's kind of an important concept to to keep in mind that that's going away. And, and, and with that, I guess I'm going to transition to the end of the episode here. The baby boomers have had a huge impact on the world. I hope I've illustrated that well and I hope it's been interesting. The baby boomer generation is large they have a vote that matters. They, have, they make a lot of money that matters. Their money is stimulating the economy a lot right now. And they have made most of the big decisions of the last 25 years. They've been presidents. They've been at the top of Congress. And they have been making the decisions. But it's kind of time for a new group to start making the decisions. You're seeing right now the next level of politics being kind of pushed by other people. You see younger people that are Gen Xers, kind of stepping up. And I think the 2024 election, we have a big opportunity to elect a Gen Xer, which I think is important. Whatever side of this, if you look at like Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, Michael Bennett on the, on the left, on the right, you got Ron DeSantis, Ted Cruz, Nikki Haley. There's people like this that are young, that are also very politically minded. They've been in politics for a while, but they're younger. They can connect more with younger people. They understand more the needs of younger people. If they're in their mid forties, late forties, even 50. It's easier to look and say, look, my kids think this, my parents think that, we can all agree, as opposed to right now, you have the baby boomers that are, this so far away that their grandkids are the young people, and so they don't see it as much, they don't understand as much of the current needs. And most people want a young president, that's interesting, they've done a lot of polling and more people than not, more people than ever, want someone that's around 50, uh, or in that general area, they feel like that's the best place for a president to be. So we'll see how that moves forward into 2024 election, how that works. As baby boomers leave, we're seeing Gen Z kind of come into our own right. We're almost a new baby boomer generation. We're a large group of people. Um, there's a lot of um, internet activism, as I like to call it, going around where people aren't actually going out and doing a lot, but they're actually sharing things. And it actually matters. It works. If you can get most people to, to share something and agree on a topic, it kind of shows a group mentality. It shows a unity. And I think there is a lot of unity On for young people, a lot of us agree with a lot of basic social opinions, which is a good thing. We agree on some of the major topics that I think are important for a group to agree on. And so Gen Z has to really step up, and young millennials even have to really step up and replace baby boomers as this voice. And even more so, I think Gen Xers have to replace baby boomers positionally, where they're going to become the oldest generation, the wisest quote unquote generation and so we're gonna see in the next 20 15 years maybe 10 years we're gonna see a huge cultural change as this large group of people that has made so much of a wave is kind of gonna hand the reins off to whoever the fuck's next (laughs) and whoever is really gonna be making the future of our country and so that's kind of where i'm gonna leave off for today um baby boomers are important we can give them shit they're old a little bit outdated a little bit but they're important. They've made a lot of change and progress in their lifetime. They have been involved in a lot of social movements to push the needle forward. They've set up a lot of what we're taking advantage of now. And they grew up in a good time period and they've had a lot of money and success. And generations like Millennials and Gen Z grew up with a lot dicier situations with more, you know, you grew up in a recession or you grew up with political turmoil or social turmoil. And so we're seeing at the same I'm seeing at 20. The opposite of what the baby boomers were seeing at 20. I'm seeing large scale change, a lot of it negative things happening that affects your mindset for the rest of your life. So remember that too. What you grew up with is impactful. And as much as you might think of it as just what the way the world is, it's a very different world for you than it has been for anyone else. And that's important to remember. And so with that, I wanna say thank you guys. I wanna say thank you for listening. It's been a bit of an episode. It's a bit of a weird one. So I'm hoping people like this and actually stay tuned till the end here. But if not, you know, whatever. It's the way it fucking goes. I want to say thank you for listening. I'm going to be posting episodes every Monday. I'm almost done with the season. And after that, I'm taking a month off. And then I'll be back with a bunch more content and different things to consider. So keep that in mind. Um, I'm going to have a themed thing in February. In January, I'm going to have some random episodes, some of which may be with people, actually, um, other people. But, uh, you know, you got two more episodes after this one in my, like, fall season, and then I'm taking a little break for the holidays, and then after that I'll be back with more. So thank you for listening to the Metcat Podcast. I'm John Sherbroon, and I want to tell you to have a great rest of your day, a great rest of your night, and a great rest of your life if you never listen again.